welcome to a brand new episode of Kids Ministry Real Talk. My name is Zach and I am your host. This is a podcast where we talk real ministry for real people. And today we are talking all about the connection between kids ministry and youth ministry. This is one of the most important things that church can do. And over my years of working with uh, this topic, I found that oftentimes kids ministry and youth ministry don't actually have a connection, especially in some of the smaller churches context or growing churches right after launch uh, when you plant. That's not something that you're thinking about. But over the years, we found that having this connection is so important. And that's why I'm so excited to introduce my guest today, Dean Oliver. And Dean is the next-gen pastor of New Life Church in Kokomo, Indiana. Dean, thanks so much for being on podcast today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so, Dean, would you be able to just give us a little bit of your story and tell context for people that don't know you? Who are you, where you're from, and how'd you get into this next-gen situation? Okay. Uh, well, I grew up in Central Florida. I grew up, born and raised there in C- Central Florida, grew up, and in, in the church got, got saved when I was young in the kids' ministry, and um, grew up at this particular uh, church, met a young lady in this church, that the high school sweetheart but eventually go on to marry her. And so she and I have been married 12 years now. Uh, her name's Allison. And um, she and I went to high school, school together. We, we served together in church. And uh, at 18 years old, that church that uh, saw me grow up decided to take a risk on me and, and hire an 18-year-old while they were still in junior college. And uh, the, the ministry had a junior high pastor and a senior high pastor. They were separate at the, at the time. And so my girlfriend at the time was still a student in high school. And they said, hey, listen, uh, we're going to have to bump you down to junior high because we can't have a staff member dating a student. And I'm like, that's fair enough. Good point. <laughs> they, they put me in junior high while, while she graduated high school. And that's really where I got my feet wet in junior high ministry. And I really began to realize at that point that that fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, and even eighth grade, that's going to make or break that kid making the transition from kids into the youth ministry that we know that we know that, that, that the Barnard research group says that most of the morals and spiritual truths that a kid's going to live by is made by the time they're 13 years old. Mm-hmm. And that's that, that's that junior high context. And so that's really where I began to get my, get my ministry bearings in and got my feet wet all because the church took a risk on me on a, on a very, very young, and I'm, if we're being completely honest, a very, very immature leader at 18 years old. Of course, I think we all were immature at 18, 19 years old. And so um, I completed my associate degree there at that that college. And before I went to Bible college, that girlfriend and I got married. And so she's been my wife now for 12 years. And uh, when we were in Tulsa, we went to Bible college, got exposed to a very large church there. Uh, the way they, they placed a high emphasis on kids ministry, a high emphasis on student ministry that just really kept that fire going as far as, as far as kids ministry and youth ministry goes. Um, after graduation, moved to the panhandle of Florida, to Panama City, Florida, and um, did ministry there for a couple of years. Then uh, moved back to Ocala, the town where we were, we were from. And uh, Allison was actually able to come on staff. I stepped out of staff ministry for a little bit and took a job at Hobby Lobby. And then the framing department. So I'm sitting there framing away Monday through Saturday. And then uh, as often is the the case, the kids ministry is short on volunteers on a, on a Sunday. And my wife knows it's my day off. So she calls me and 
because I want happy wife, happy life. I answer the call and I go and, and, and volunteer to teach a Bible basics class for eight year olds. Uh, once again, getting my feet wet in what's now the kids ministry of that same church I was on staff at earlier. And, uh, so that's where I kind of got kids ministry experience then too. And, uh, I got a phone call to go to North Carolina to be a youth pastor. I uh, did that for four and a half years and kind of felt God kind of something was about to, about to change. And I got a phone call from a headhunter one day and said, Hey, do you want to go to Indiana and oversee kids ministry and, and youth ministry, uh, diapers and diplomas as we call it. And so here I am uh, now. That's awesome. And I think that's so cool just to go back a little bit about the church taking um, a chance on you. And I think that speaks to the church and the leadership to uh, give someone a chance who maybe isn't the right experience, maybe isn't, you know, where they want them to be, but look how you turned out. Obviously that was an amazing chance and that actually pr- shifted the trajectory a little bit, I think. Okay, um, entire life. Yeah. yeah. And I think as leaders, I think we can take that, you know, maybe, you know, the right person isn't right in front of our face, but who is uh, fat is an acronym I use, faithful, available, and teachable. Uh, who are those three things? And obviously you were that. And uh, so I think that's really cool. That's a success story of, of that church. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's neat about that church too, even going back before I was 18, at, at 16 years old, uh, they had a kid, me, who had been behind a soundboard for, for four years, running sound and running lights. And eventually the main sanctuary audio tech comes to me and says, you want to serve with me on Sunday morning? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not learn how to run the big audio console, you know, the the big church stuff. And this was at the time an 800 seat auditorium, you know? And uh, he comes to me and says, okay, you need to go meet with the facilities guy. And I'm like, meet with the facilities guy. I thought I was here for audio. You know, I thought I was here for, for, for audio lighting stuff. He goes, no, they're going to give you a key. And I'm like, Shut up. They literally gave me a key to the building at 16 years old wow. to run audio. And so, and then two years later, they said, you know, you want a paycheck? You know what I mean? Uh, they said, Pastor Tim gave the approval to hire you. And so not only did one person take a chance on me, but along the line, multiple young leaders at that church really put themselves out and said, we believe in you. We're going to give you a, a key to the building, both literally and figuratively. Um, and so if you've read the book Growing Young by Kara Powell, uh, in one of the first chapters, they talk about keychain leadership. And I can't help but think of myself in that, in that context. I was like, man, that church really cared. And so, yeah, it was an awesome experience. That's amazing. So now to today, you're doing next gen. Um, and we were talking before about this idea of connecting to, of, you know, kids ministry and youth ministry. And that's really your passion coming into this role and making sure that is a connection. Would you tell us a little bit about what you came in when you saw and why this is so important to you? Okay. So we came into to a, a situation here. They had, there, there, there was a lot of staff shakeups before I, I got here. And really it was, it was one guy leaving. He was a youth and the worship pastor. And so, uh, and the kids minister was run by a handful of volunteers with no real strategic stuff behind it. No real, nothing to stick, no kind of volunteer leadership. No, I mean, no structure at all and came in and it had been a solid year that this church had lacked leadership in both of that areas. And it, it, if a young family were to come in and see that it it doesn't bode well for the church. And so uh, the senior pastor had reached a frustration level of epic proportions. And he would tell you that 
and he uh, and he said he said come in and uh, and and help us fix this. And so he he hired he hired young, he hired me at at, at thirty three years old. He hired a worship leader at twenty eight years old to really get the church back on the right um, the right the right stat. And he he told me something during the interview process. He said I really felt God speak to me and say four years ago that we are to prepare our church for the next generation. Mm-hmm. We are to prepare this church for the next generation. We're a 61-year-old Assembly of God church that if we are not careful, we're going to go down the, down the path of every other older denominational church into this irrelevancy. And he said, we need to grow young. We've got to get young leaders in here with a passion to reach the next generation because this next generation is going to take over. And that's what we want. And so he, uh, he told me, he goes, I'm going to, and this is key, he goes, I'm going to turn you loose to make the decisions. You are qualified enough. You're smart enough. You know what, what, what to do. You've done it two, two times before. I'm going to turn you loose to, to, to do this. And we made some changes. Uh, one of my things is don't make changes too early. Mm-hmm. Don't, make, don't make changes, sweeping changes too early. Obviously, if you walk in and none of the volunteers are background checked or safety trained, we're going to need to do that right away. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> there's, there's no wiggle room on that. No. Uh, but some of the other stuff we've, we've had to hold off the big, the big changes. And so um, we're, we're looking forward. We've made some small changes where we have a strategy. Now we're going to a curriculum across the board. Uh, that, that's both student ministry and kids ministry. Uh, we're involving parents now, which they weren't communicated with or involved with ahead of time beforehand. And so we're doing that now with a strategy and a mark to say, we want kids to do four things. We want kids to know God. We want kids to find freedom. Because if you don't think kids hurt the way adults hurt, mm-hmm. you're dead wrong, man. Kids hurt straight up. Um, we want kids to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And those are the same four values for a small group ministry. Those are the same four values for our kids ministry, for our student ministry. Every ministry across the board is focused on those four values. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, make a difference. Wow, that's awesome. I think just to dissect all the information that you said right there is you need to come up with a plan for your ministry. And this is a principle for every single organization, department, ministry in the world is understanding what are we doing here? And obviously that's a big question, but breaking it down and you did it in a beautiful way in four fundamental ways and unifying that across all age groups. um, That's a really uh, amazing things. Would you be able to tell us a little bit more? Did you come up with those by yourself? Did it just pop in your head? How did you come up with those things? Yeah. I will not take credit for that. Yeah. Amazing equation at all. I will not take credit for that. That is uh, us. We decided a, a little while ago to hook up with the church called Church of the Highlands. And that's where they've produced that growth track is what they call it. They, that growth track formula. That's where we got that from. They've replicated that across the board. Very, very systematic. Very, very easy to follow, easy to, 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 to do. Um, we've seen rapid success for that um, is we want you to come to our church and we want you to do these four, four things to get involved. It takes care of church membership. It takes care of church involvement. It takes care of getting them on a, onto what we call a dream team, which is our volunteer teams is the first thing we want you to do. We want to make sure you're saved. We want you to know God. Number two, we want you to find freedom. We want you to know that God loves you and God will set you free from your sins Along that time, there's water baptism is available. We want you to discover your purpose. We do a spiritual gifts assessment. 
on all of our new volunteers, people that come in, a new spiritual gifts assessment is done in, in what's called step three. And then we want you to make a difference. We want you to get onto one of our, our dream teams. If that's kids ministry, great. That's kids ministry. If it's not kids ministry, cool. We'll get you plugged into the parking lot or the funeral service team or the communion team or the janitorial team, whatever. We want you to go make a difference somehow. We believe that everybody is a leader. That's amazing. I think that speaks to the bigger principle of what we're talking about is we want to connect and unify kids ministry and youth ministry. But this speaks to something bigger that we actually want to unify our church. And we want to unify the direction about all people. And this just, you know, some things you can fix here, but if you have things going on in your church that aren't fixable, then you need to have conversations with your senior pastor, your associate pastor, you know, whoever it is, directors, um, execs, whoever it is, you need to say, hey, how do we get on the same page? Because kids ministry or youth ministry or whatever you're doing is way off here. And you're doing this thing in the main service and we're not connecting at all. And we're fighting against each other. And having that unifiedness of your church and what you said, your pastor, he trusted you. He said, hey, you know, Dean, you go and do whatever you need to do. And I trust you. And obviously you didn't do that in a silo. I think you had conversations. You said, you know, we're going to do this or do that. Um, yeah, have conversations. The number one thing is yeah. you never surprise your senior pastor. I've right. learned that. I've, that if, if I can drive home any point, never surprise your senior pastor. Always over-communicate. It's much, much better to over-communicate than it is to under-communicate. And him come to you and say, hey, you made this change. What's this about? I want to make sure I have crystal clear communication all the way through. So never surprise your senior pastor with any kind of changes. Um, it's also important to, in those, in those changes that you make, it's important to celebrate the small victories along the way. Um, we have a bigger goal of massively department-wide change, but I'm going, to, I'm going to celebrate the small victories. I use the Battle of Iwo Jima as an example. We learn about the Battle of Iwo Jima in school, but the Battle of Iwo Jima if, you, if you're not careful, you take it just a one victory. No, it was a five-week-long battle. It was five bloody weeks that they had to celebrate small victories along the way that all culminated with this massive victory at the end. And so we as leaders, we have to set up a goalpost and say, okay, that's what we're going for. But in the meantime, if we get a first down or two along the way, that's great. So, Yeah, amazing. Okay, so would you be able to speak a little bit about this unifying of the two ministries, you've touched a little bit about how you're communicating with parents, but well, first of all, why is it important? Why is it important that these two ministries um, be focused on each other and even care about what each other is doing? Yeah. Well, well we talked earlier about by the age of 13, somebody's spiritual and moral attributes are going to be pretty solid. And then by the time they're 18, if they haven't accepted Christ as their Savior by 18, the numbers go down dramatically. That's what Barnum Research tells us. And so we have to get to a realization that we are better together than separate. Mm. We, we have to get rid of the turf wars. There are turf wars that happen in kids' ministry when it comes to kids' ministry and youth ministry. I've seen it across the years. Uh, they're fighting over rooms and resources and digital cameras and who's get the church van on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and even the two egos come into the room together. Well, when you unify the two ministries together under one direction, one umbrella, the ego is out of the room. And the, the idea that I'm, just, I'm for the kids ministry, I'm for the youth ministry together at the same exact time. Uh, even my pastor has told me, he goes, when we grow 
and we get to the, to the place. He goes, I want you to hire an assistant when we grow to that place. But he said, I want you to hire a next-gen assistant. I don't want you to hire a youth ministry assistant or a kids ministry assistant. He said, I want you to hire a next-gen assistant because we are much, much better together than we are separate. It just comes down to basic teamwork. We can do so much better when the overall goal is families. When the overall goal is family ministry, we can coordinate our calendars together. We can coordinate resources together. We can coordinate volunteers together. One of the best things that we've done is we've streamlined our volunteers to include teenagers volunteering in our kids' ministry. Mm. I went to our teenagers and I said, guys, these kids need you. They need some kind of stability in their life. In a world of instability, or in a world of instability, they need stability and you can provide it as a teenager. And so, man, we've got teenagers leading small groups. One thing that's big in our church is small group ministry. And even a kid coming in at first grade and second grade, we want them to be in small groups. Why? Because our adults are in small groups. Mm. We want them to know the importance of small groups early on, the importance of developing relationships early on. And so we coordinate all of that, that together, even down to some of the messages that we preach in kids ministry and in youth ministry are the same. So a sibling that's got a sibling in third grade and a sibling who's in seventh grade, they're learning the same exact principle at the same exact time. Wow. That's great. Do you have um, learning outcomes that you talk about or look through um, that you've kind of thought, okay, where do I want a child to be when they're graduating kids ministry and going into youth ministry? Or uh, how do you look at that and how do you evaluate, you know, are you succeeding in these goals? Yeah. So I'll just use our, our preschool ministry for Example, once again, we're, we're coordinating everything. I'm making small changes. Like I said, I've been here 10 months, so we haven't gone full, full circle, but uh, it's October right now. In January, we're getting ready to roll out new curriculum. And mm. so January has a curriculum outlined just for our, our preschool ministry. We want them to take away three things every single, every single week. By the time they get out of preschool, we want them to know three things. God loves me. God made me. Jesus wants to be my friend forever. Mm. And then they jump into the next classroom, and there's another, another three steps and they jump into middle school there's three points there in high school there's three points there and so we want them at least the learning outcomes for for preschool and the others are escaping me right now because we're getting ready to roll it out over the next months but i know preschool is because i'm studying it all along with our leaders getting ready to roll it out i know preschool is god loves me god made me jesus wants to be my friend forever that's amazing. And the, the principle there is, and it's so great, you got to establish those things and think about what is actually an ideal situation, not just telling all these Bible stories. And then hopefully the kid knows, hey, you know, I guess Jesus loved me. Uh, I, I love this example. We had, um, we have similar principles. And um, the first day of school. So all the kids are jumping up to a new age group. So we have all these four-year-olds who turned five. Now they're going into kindergarten. They're sitting in the class. And one of our best teachers is is teaching. She's teaching about God and Jesus. And then, um, you know, she asks this question, what's going on? And the kid just says, oh, well, God did this. And this other kid turned to him and said, God is Jesus. Jesus is God. He just yells it in his face. And I was so, you know, I was a little scared because the kid just got yelled in his face, but I was excited because that was one of our learning principles that Jesus is God and understanding that at such a young age. And I was so excited that the teacher had just been, you know, 
pounding that in. So obviously at the younger age, at our four and five-year-old classroom, they did not know that yet, but our kindergartens and our grade ones did know that because they had been in that classroom a year already. So this principle that you just have to keep going and you're not going to see results after one day. You know, this is looking four or five years down the road and saying when if somebody's come through us through crib to what was the what was the phrase they used? Crib to college or diapers to diplomas. Yeah. I love those. I have never heard those. So I'm gonna start using those. Crib to college. If someone comes through and crib to college, where are they at? What what kind of person do we want to produce who graduates grade 12 and goes out into the world? Maybe they actually go to a different college. Who do we want to produce that says, you know, for your example, Life Church or any church, your church, who do we want to produce? And thinking ahead of that. Yeah. Yeah, I was able to rattle off the, the three for preschool pretty easy because I just ordered the posters last week. But, so the elementary posters are getting are getting ordered next week as, as, as well. So if you come to me next week, I'll be able to tell you what elementaries is. But it's escaping me right now. I know one of them is I can trust God no matter what. I know that's, that's one of them. That's great. I think it, it, it really, you know, without to sound heresitical, it doesn't matter what they are. It, it matters that your team has thought through them. And that's what you've kind of, you've met with your team. You've decided what's important to you and that you've made them known. And I think that's a great principle that you've ordered posters this yeah. visual representation. We're not just going to say these things and let them sit in my desk drawer. And then three years from now, when yeah. someone asks, bring them out. We're going to communicate yeah. these things over and over again. Yeah, they're plastered all over the kids' classrooms, or they will be. Uh, social media, it'll be all, all out there. We want it to be undeniable, those three points for every classroom. That kid, when they, when they graduate that classroom, we want them to be able to rattle off those three points right away. Yeah, amazing. The last thing that I want to talk about, um, Dean, is is leaders. You mentioned a little bit that you're working with your preschool leaders. Um, you're working with high school kids to be leaders. Obviously, you're not doing this alone. Um, you would be Superman if you, you were working every single classroom, every single kid. Tell us a little bit about you coming into a new church and, and you building relationships with people. How have you structured leaders? How have you worked with leaders? How have you built into leaders? What's kind of your mindset on all that? Yeah, well, there's a lot of Starbucks involved along the way. Um, just sitting down and having a cup of coffee and finding out where they're at, finding out how long they've been in kids' ministry, what their heart is, uh, and even ask the tough question, is the classroom you're in right now the best classroom for you? Uh, and not only is, is the classroom the best classroom for you, We've got to be vulnerable and we've got to say to our, our leaders, is this ministry the best ministry for you to work in? Even at my own possible detriment, is this ministry the best ways? Because really, I need to care about them as a person. I need to care about them using their ministry gifts, not what they can accomplish for me on a Sunday morning. As, as long as I've got two people in the, in, in the classroom that are, that are rock solid, ready to teach kids about Jesus, that's a win. I don't want to have just two people in a classroom to satisfy safety requirements. I want to have two people in the classroom teaching kids about Jesus. And so we have hard conversations. We say, hey, what's the best for you? Are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Are you a teacher? Are you a crafts person? Are you a music person? Are you a technical person? Can you run pro presenter? Can you do, I mean, those are all questions we, we have. And then we clearly communicate what's, what's going to happen. Like I said, those three points, we clearly communicate. By the time a kid leaves your class, we want them to learn this, this, and this. Then we resource them. We give them all the curriculum ahead of time. Right now it's monthly, but when we roll out that new 
curriculum, it'll be quarterly. Like they've got a quarter's worth or, or a quarter of a year's worth of messages and a three-ring binder or on a USB drive where you can go home and get prepared and prayed up before you come in. And obviously, all of it starts with vision casting. Uh, it's, we want kids to, like I said, those four points. Know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And not only that, but we want you as a dream teamer, that's what we call our, our volunteers. You as a dream teamer, we want you to be able to do your job best. Uh, and we don't even call it a ministry job. We call it ministry opportunities. Mm-hmm. Ministry opportunity is a nursery. You are not just changing diapers and, and throwing out goldfish. No, you're teaching kids about Jesus at three years old. Mm-hmm. And so we have those tough conversations. We say, is this the best ministry for you right now? Can you, can you commit to us for a year? Can you pass a background check? That's important. Can you, can you do the things that, that, are, that are essential to this ministry role? And then let's find out how we can best communicate with you. Yes, find out how best we can resource you. And then we turn them loose. We, we say, do, do the classroom. Let us know if you need anything. And so that's part of leadership development is clearly communicating and resourcing the people and then listening to their feedback. Yeah, so much good stuff that you just said. I don't want to brush over it. And you summarized it well at the end is clearly communicating and having these tough conversations and then and then strongly resourcing and say, this is what's going to happen. That takes a lot of work. It takes, I don't know how much, twice, three, four times as much work to have someone else do it than for you to just do it yourself. And a lot of times I think that's why leaders decide that they need to do everything. They have to do all this curriculum, be in every room, be with every kid, but we need to train leaders. And you did a perfect explanation of how you sit down, find their gifts, uh, find out what they want to do, say, this is what we want from you, have clear expectations. Um, A year commitment, I think is great, but the number doesn't matter. Some sort of commitment. And a big thing that I always try to push people is ask, ask, ask more. Because if you say, would you just, would you just do one week and just come in this one time just so you can do this thing? What a lame calling. I want to do something that matters. And that doesn't really sound like it matters at all. But I'm going to ask you, would you commit for two years every single week be in that room so you could be with a leader and then or be with kids? And in two years, you would be able to see a kid's life completely changed from before they turned 13. Wow, that's that sounds something I want to give my life to. Um, so encourage everyone that, that, that these simple principles really have a huge difference that you're explaining. And we are at an advantage here. I don't know the context of all of, of your listeners, but we are at an advantage here where we have multiple services. Mm-hmm. We have two Sunday morning services. And so our rule is you come and serve one and come and sit one. You serve one, sit one. That's maintaining your spirituality because you cannot give out out of your bank account. You can give out out of your bank account all you want to, but eventually you got to put something back in and that principle works spiritually as well. We ask them, matter of fact, we don't ask them. We require them sit one, serve one, sit one, serve one. And if you, if you come to the 9am service, you can serve the 9am service and worship with your family at the 11am service or flip, flip that around. And we found very, very little volunteer burnout doing that. We have some volunteers that serve every single week and they have no problem with that because they sit one. Right. They have a problem with that because they get to worship as as, as well. Um, so, I, like I said, I don't know the context of all of your listeners. Maybe you have one service. Man, get them that next day. Text them about the link to the podcast if they missed it and they were serving instead. 
do something to keep that spiritual barometer uh, or, or that, that spiritual element to it. Do something to make sure they're filled up spiritually. Yeah, exactly right. Um, just lastly, you, would you be able to explain some phys, like tangible structure that you do? Because I think a big part is what we talked about is deciding that you need to do everything and you're working alongside a team to implement this new curriculum. So maybe it's not now, but maybe what you're looking towards, what are you actually going to do week to week? And what are you empowering others to do week to week? Um, What are some of those actual physical, like who's sending out the lessons, who's emailing, who's looking at the schedule, who's doing small groups, um, who's actually doing this stuff and what do you feel like you need to hold on to and what do you need, you need to, Passover empower others to do. Okay, that's great. Uh, I have, and I, I didn't talk about this earlier. I have a staff assistant who she works on staff with me. I think her number is fifteen hours a week, uh, maybe less, probably, probably ten. But she works with me ten hours a week. She has grown up at this church. She's twenty five years old, grown up at this church. So her main her main avenue for me, the one the one task that I need her to do every single week is I need her to confirm all of our volunteers for that upcoming weekend. That's the one thing she knows everybody. She knows everybody. Being here 25 years, she knows everybody's first cousin and who they're married to and when they're going out of town. And if they go out of town, they're connected to this family. So she knows all of our volunteers. And so she coordinates, not coordinates, because I schedule all of our, all of our volunteers, but she confirms them. Make sure they're not working that weekend or make sure they know they're on the 9 a.m. service, not the 11 a.m. service. They know they're on nursery one as opposed to nursery two. They know all that, that, that stuff. We sit down and I go over a message calendar. We have a message calendar planned out for the year. So we know that we're, we know that we're teaching a, a series called camp out next month. And we need to make sure all of the teachers are resourced with that. She does that as, as well. My element on Sunday morning, the thing that I do is I show up and I do what we call large group teaching. I've got a team of kids that lead worship. And basically, it's a lyric video for our kids' ministry for, for worship. They do that for three or four songs. And then I come up, I transition them up. I do a lead large group teaching is what I do. And then I turn it over to four of our volunteers to break the kids off into small groups. Um, is at that point, preschool goes back to their classroom. Nursery never quite leaves their, their classroom. They're, some of them are mobile, some of them are not. So they stay in their classroom and they do a video lesson. It's the same, same stuff. I farm that out to volunteers. Uh, we've got a couple of our teenagers in the sound booth running pro presenter and lights and all that, that stuff. The thing that I'm responsible for on Sunday morning is the large group teaching. I'm a large group guy. I grew up in a large church. So large group uh, preaching is, is my gift. That's where I operate best at. Where, we, where our small group leaders, they operate in the small group context better. I've got mm-hmm. four small group leaders for every, every service. Depending on how many kids, we may have two groups. We may have three groups. We may have one group. And they break off into their small groups and they just reinforce the lesson that was already taught from me on the platform. Wow. That's awesome. Dean, thank you so much. Do you have any final um, resources or things you just want to shout out for people, anyone listening, if they want to connect with you or have questions? Yeah. Final thing, uh, please feel free to connect with me. I love connecting with other church leaders, kids ministry leaders, adult leaders, small group leaders. I love connecting with, with them. You can, follow me on Instagram. You can do that at dean.oliver. Just a a cautionary tale about my Instagram page. There's a lot of sports involved. So (laughs) I make no apologies for that, but it depends on who you root for, I guess. Um, 
but I love to connect with, with them. Uh, if they have any questions, please email me, Dean Oliver at New Life, the number four, Kokomo.org. I'd love to talk with you. And if I can leave one piece of advice to every church leader, whether you're a student ministry leader or a kids ministry leader, man, find somebody in your life that will coach and mentor you. Find somebody that you can, not only that they will coach and mentor you, or they'll just be an ear where you can verbally vomit is what I, is what I, I, I say. Find somebody you can verbally vomit to because the number one enemy we have is the enemy in between our ears. It's mm-hmm. our, our, ourselves. And we can't choose what life throws at us, but we can choose how we respond. And so find somebody, uh, church leadership-wise, that you can, a small group leader, a small group uh, participator with you, that you can just tell everything to and has no judgment. that will pray for you. Find somebody that will pray for you. Find somebody that will give you books and resources to read. You will be better for it. That's amazing. What great advice to leave everyone with. I hope you that everyone got something out of this time. I want to thank you for listening. I want to encourage you to tune in next week for more Kids Ministry Real Talk. The God who came to save me from my sin became a man. He lived a life I could not live and died as heaven's lamb.